0: You just wanted to say placenta.
1: No, I just wanted to stop you from saying placenta.
0: <laughs> Mission, not a compliment. Failed.
1: Mission's failed. girl, and you're gone
0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch. I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker. Maybe you might call me the angel who opens your eyes. <laughs> 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 Joined this week and every week by me is a for Winston.
1: Hi. I, What? <laughs>
0: I thought it was like the angel opens her eyes.
1: Yeah, but you said your eyes, and then,
0: then I'm was... the angel that opens your eyes.
1: Okay, okay, you know what? Fine, <laughs>
0: let's
1: just go with it. Hi, I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm good. This is it's 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 a it's a it's been it's certainly been a week. What are we talking about today, Lindsay?
0: Uh, today we are talking about the song by Live called lightning crashes
1: correct so this uh this song and band and story was brought to us by friend of the show sky mazaroski who writes in and is great and is uh, really knowledgeable about music and he sent me a-, a rolling stone article that just ran over this past weekend that's um, a profile of the band live and basically what happened to them. So the primary source for that week is going to be that article by Andy Green. And so there's some other stuff, but uh, if you're if you haven't heard me cite a source for a while, it's be, it's Andy. Um, and this article is like wild and intense and goes into different directions than we'll, slightly than what we're gonna talk about today.
0: Great. I love going in different directions.
1: I love going in different directions. Okay, so live the band grew up together in the small working class town of york pennsylvania we're not going with anybody's birth today
0: we're not going to do a birth I'm i missing the birth story
1: why well, we were we're finally missing the, <laughs> the skipping the birth story um so they they grew up together in the mid 80s and guitarist chad taylor and drummer chad gracie bonded over their shared love of alternative bands like The Cure, Joy Division, and Depeche Mode, and presumably they both bonded over being named Chad. Chad? Oh, yeah. The, a full half Mystery of this band loves is... Company. Yeah, right. A full half of this band is named Chad, and if you're familiar with their music, that tracks.
0: <laughs> All right, tell me about the Chads.
1: So the Chads loved... Joy Division, the cure, depeche mode, and most of their classmates were into hair metal like Quiet Riot and Rat.
0: So they were a little different? They're a, a little, little different.
1: But but the interesting thing is, like, if I were to describe live's music, it wouldn't be Joy Division and Depeche Mode. It would be like
0: Nickelback?
1: Yeah, right. Like a like a closer to Is that another Chad? It is another Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on to something.
0: I think so. <laughs>
1: the Chad theorem. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna refer to Chad Taylor as Taylor and Chad Gracie as Gracie for the rest of the episode because there are two Chads.
0: Okay. And what is distinctive about Taylor and Gracie so that I don't get them confused?
1: Taylor is the guitarist. Gracie is the drummer. Okay. I spent every single week. This is a quote. I spent every single weekend I possibly could at Chad's house, Taylor says. So that means Gracie.
0: <laughs> Already getting <See>? confused. <laughs> Already, right?
1: So I spent every every single weekend I possibly could at Gracie's parents' house, Taylor says. We good now? Good. I'd sleep next to his bed in a trundle bed, and we'd watch John Hughes movies like Weird Science. We were inseparable.
0: Okay. We, they cuddled a little. They cuddled a little. I think that's cute. I love cuddling. Yeah. I'm into in the it. eighth
1: grade, they recruited their buddy Patrick Dahlheimer. To play the bass, and they booked themselves at the school talent show, and they made Patrick change his name to Chad. What? That's not, I'm kidding. That's not true. Uh, so, Chad, Chad, and Patrick. Patrick played the bass. Okay. Chad-trick. Um, and at the talent show, they performed a medley of U2s, like a song, and a band called New Clues. Uh, the song is Jam on It.
0: I know. feel like you should never play a medley of U2.
1: I feel like you should never play a single U2 song.
0: <laughs> yes, agreed.
1: <laughs> um. Okay, so yeah, they did like a medley. It, you know, they were, they were in eighth grade. Uh, awkward. There's going to be an awkward Aviv eighth grade story later on as well.
0: Can't
1: wait. So in the audience was a kid named Ed Kowalczyk. And Ed Kowalczyk used to chase Taylor around the playground and try to beat him up.
0: Beat him up. Yeah. Like him a Ed, was,
1: Ed was, no, like, like beat him <laughs> up. Not kiss him up. <laughs> like, Ed was a bully. Taylor said, I asked for a hall pass to go to the bathroom. I was walking down the hall. I saw Ed, and I was like, oh my God, we're going to fight again. My stomach turned inside out since I was so scared. And he walked up and he was like, hey, man, I would love to play with your band. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I am not going to push you into this locker. Right. Instead, I want to invite you over later for a jam session in my garage.
1: For, and maybe some cuddling and watching weird science on my <laughs> trundle bed. But this is basically the plot of, or like a subplot in the movie Sing Street, which I think is like adorable.
0: I haven't seen that one.
1: Oh, it's very good. So they went through various names, including Action Front, Paisley Blues, Club Fungus.
0: Club Fungus?
1: Club Fungus is a great Band name, especially in <laughs> 1987. But the band name that they settled on was Public Affection. Public Gracie
0: Affection.
1: Affection. A okay. F F E C T I O N. Gracie picked PDA. The
0: name.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. PDA? Public yeah. display of affection. Gracie picked the name based on a, a comment made by his girlfriend at the time, presumably about PDA.
0: So, is there a D or no D?
1: No D. Public Affection. Okay. Listen loves the d loves Lindsay is missing the d (laughs) uh and they wouldn't change their name to live until 1991 so that they were public affection for about four years and i think live is like a fucking horrible band name because does it have an
0: exclamation point no
1: it's just (laughs) ungoogleable as i was researching (laughs) this episode i was like god damn it (laughs) uh but for the next few years they they made slow progress and they were opening for they eventually started opening for bands like pixies and they started uh writing original songs that replaced the covers in their set list and they self-released a debut lp on tape called death of a dictionary and that was in 1989 as yeah as public affection um so let's take a listen to the first track off of death of a dictionary called savior for a day
0: I feel like I like it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good, right? You're screaming right now.
0: Don't like the singing as much. It's too REM.
1: It's like proto butt rock, right? Like a little bit like I can see how Scott Stapp listened to this and was like, yeah, this is me.
0: What's butt rock?
1: What's butt rock? Oh, we're talking all about butt rock today. Like Creed, Pearl Jam,
0: Nickelback, like Chad butt- Rock,
1: Chad Rock is butt
0: okay. rock. Okay. Okay.
1: Um but the instrumentation sounds cool like Polaris or some like, you know, cool nineties band.
0: Yeah, I really liked it until I heard his voice, until but So he starts to- well,
1: <laughs> you're gonna hear a lot of his voice, don't worry. Okay. All right. So moving on. I'm turning it off. Uh they didn't hone in on what would be Lives sound until nineteen ninety-one when they teamed up with Talking Heads guitarist Jerry Harrison to cut an album called Mental Jewelry.
0: Mental Jewelry, okay.
1: Yeah. And so that was that was on MC a subsidiary of MCA Records, but but um Mental Jewelry was their first uh first album on a major label and it came out in 1991, and their first single was called Operation Spirit.
0: So they team up with Jerry. Now, is he just part of their band? Like, did they No, no, he's him? their producer. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's, he's just producing them, um, and he helped them find their sound, presumably, like, in the studio or as they're writing the album. He's like, what if you sounded like this?
0: <laughs> what if you were a completely different band what with a completely you, yeah. different sound?
1: <laughs> but, I mean, I get it because the sound that they are known for which is like generic mid 90s rock is like they were one of the inventors of so okay. like it's not their fault that it's generic well <laughs> it becomes their well, we'll okay right. so let's take a listen to operation spirit so this sounds give it up? completely different
0: does is it like phil collinsy or something
1: there is a little phil collinsy in this the bass player is like <laughs> just fucking going for it patrick <laughs> delheimer is like this this is aggressive i don't hate this but this is a lot So, interesting. interestingly enough, this is, like, the sound that I thought rock music had to be when I was growing up. And so, like, the band, the, like, local bands that I saw in my hometown, especially because Live is from Pennsylvania, like, sounded a lot like this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I don't, I don't love this. So... Fun fact about Operation Spirit: um, It was written, co-written by Ed Kowal, Kowalczyk and Chad Taylor, and it was in. It wound up in MTV's Buzz Bin, which was like a uh, like a video show that was, you know, at, at late at night they would like show new rock videos, right? Buzzy, yeah, music Buzzy. from the bin. And when it first aired, like the night it first aired. Live was staying in a hotel in San Francisco, the Phoenix Hotel in San Francisco. And it just so happened that Nirvana was also staying at that hotel. And they had a show in town that night.
0: In San Fran.
1: In San Francisco, Cisco. yeah. In in Frisco as they as the <laughs> people in the know say. Um and this is Chad Taylor's quote, nobody knew who Nirvana was at that point but they stood shoulder to shoulder with us after their gig drinking beers and waiting for their video to come on buzzbin too and at midnight they played smells like teen spirit and operation spirit back to back
0: who's got spirit
1: yes we do <laughs> but like those two videos premiered on the same day
0: that's fascinating
1: yeah really really weird if one
0: of the chats had died what do you think would have happened uh, i life? would
1: i would this episode would be a lot shorter <laughs> and and fewer people would be upset
0: <laughs> fewer people would be upset
1: yes there's there we we will hit, we will touch on basically every single american tragedy in this
0: you told me it episode. wasn't very depressing today i said
1: touch on i said touch on So Live's single, Operation Spirit, eventually reached number nine on the alternative charts. And they spent so much time touring behind it that their next album didn't come out until weeks after Kurt Cobain's death. Uh, And their next album was called Throwing Copper. But this brings us to our song of the week. (laughs) Because the second single from Throwing Copper... I think the second single, maybe the third single from throwing copper was lightning crashes. So ah. let's take let's take a, a listen to lightning. Yeah. You're Oh, oh, we've oh, we've already gotten to our <laughs> song of the week. Look at look at me.
0: to part before
1: oh yeah baby here we go <laughs> pretty impressive single for a song that the chorus doesn't kick in till over two minutes into the song
0: that's true the song's like almost halfway over
1: yeah it's like five and a half minutes long so tell me what 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 are you seeing right you said you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on walk me through what you're seeing
0: We've got one woman in labor. Uh-huh. There was some kind of confusion setting in before the doctor got there. So I don't, and then an old like, woman was dying, but did the angel take the wrong person? She was closing her eyes, she was opening her eyes, and then like, the confusion this, went to the baby.
1: There's like a ton, there's like a ton of double exposure. He's like sitting in a chair, but he's not actually there.
0: And its books are swinging in the wind. Books.
1: This is really a time capsule of early 90s music videos
0: For real I'm really worried What's happening with the mom and baby from the opening scene
1: You know (laughs) I got a good That's a good question Got this like fucking counting crows breakdown in the middle.
0: Yeah It's like she's still in labor but then she looks like she's alone. it's like not breathing, right?
1: I don't know. <laughs> Held that baby up like a fish.
0: The bald angel lady leaving the baby behind alone in the bed.
1: Let's take a look at the lyrics. (laughs) There's so much going on. So uh, I will do the, I'll I'll start us off. Ready? Yeah. Lightning crashes. A new mother cries. Her placenta falls to the floor.
0: You just wanted to say placenta.
1: No, I just wanted to stop you from saying placenta.
0: (laughs) Mission. Not a comp
1: failed. Mission <laughs> failed. The angel opens her eyes. The confusion sets in before the doctors, before the doctor can even close the door.
0: Lightning crashes. An old mother dies. Her intentions fall to the floor. The angel closes her eyes. The confusion that was hers belongs now to the baby down the hall okay so this woman's dying and her soul is going into the baby or just like she's dead now and the baby's alive no
1: yes the the woman's die the old woman's dying and her soul is going into the baby spoilers (laughs) Uh, oh i can feel it coming back again like a rolling thunder chasing the wind forces pulling from the center of the earth again i can feel it
0: lightning crashes a new mother cries this moment she's been waiting for the angel opens her eyes, pale blue colored iris, presents the circle and puts the glory out to hide.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And then, like, for, for a song that is five and a half minutes long, that's it. That's the everything. Then it's just f- the chorus. The chorus four more times. Whoa. Okay, so yes. Written largely by Ed Kowalczyk, Rolling Stone calls this an achingly sincere song. <laughs> okay. About a grim moment in a hospital where one woman dies at the moment another woman is giving birth down the hall, completing the cycle of life and death.
0: Right. That doesn't mean like that the baby is the old woman.
1: No, right. The soul the the soul thing is like it's not quite as literal as that. Okay. But the confusion on someone's face is like the confusion of being alive, I guess. Yeah. Which like I get it, Ed. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but Chad Taylor has an interesting recollection of, of the first time he heard this. Oh, I remember entering the room and hearing him sing the word placenta. (laughs) I was like, what the hell is he singing about? But back in middle school, when everyone else was at home trying to find their dad's playboy, Ed was reading Eastern philosophy books. He was singing about mysticism and our spiritual journey. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, sure. Right. So. The, the kind of high school locker room rumor was that because the word placenta is in there, the rumor the, the rumor was that the song was about a woman who was having an abortion.
0: When I hear placenta, I think abortion
1: Well, so I'm trying to think of like another like like in Hotel California, where the rumor was oh warm smell of colitas and colitas means marijuana and this is about the devil like like just kind of the, the urban legend of this song was that it was about an abortion.
0: Like a coat hanger one?
1: I don't fucking know.
0: I gotta I, tell I you, placenta doesn't fall to the floor when you have an abortion.
1: The placenta shouldn't fall to the floor when you <laughs> have birth when you give birth to a baby in a hospital either. But here we are.
0: Misinformation about the female body and the birth process.
1: I feel like Ed knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so the though the song is bleak and about the cycle of life and death. It was not written about anyone in particular, but weirdly, while the band was recording the song, one of their friends, whose name is Barbara Lewis, who was only 19 at the time, died in a drunk driving accident, and the the band dedicated the song to Barbara. Barbara died on January 30th,
0: 1993.
1: Sad. Yeah, so it, very sad. Very, very, very sad. And this is what Ed says. It was something that we had hoped would honor the memory of a girl that we grew up with and help her family cope with the sorrow, which it seems to have accomplished, keeping the theme, keeping with the theme of the song. So Barbara was a registered organ donor, and her organs went to save the lives of other folk in the hospital.
0: Well, okay, it's just like, oh, her parents are grieving, but those organs... <laughs> They were well, harvested. But, but this
1: is this is like leading to the urban legend of the song though. So Barbara was an organ donor. Her organs went to save lives of other folks in the hospital. And Barbara's brother in law, Corey, insists that the song was written about Barbara.
0: So they this just is... said it wasn't.
1: Right. I know. She's
0: ne- neither an old woman or a young mother.
1: Well, so so <laughs> this is this is what Corey told song fact. The song's lyrics are mostly an allegory. Barb donated several organs, including her heart, and she was close with Ed Kowalczyk and the guys and died in a car collision with a fleeing armed robber. Jesus. These lyrics are constantly misunderstood. Yes, Ed is speaking to the circle of life, but specifically to how Barb's life gave a new life to many. The angel, the baby down the hall, the pale blue eyes of Barb, the pain and confusion. The lyrics are wholly Ed's interpretation of his experience and perception of Barb's impact. Our family has become close with the most genuine and caring man who is still alive today, over 10 years later, who has Barb's heart beating in his chest. Lightning crashes, literally, lives on. Okay. So, But this is contradictory, right? So let's see if we can investigate like like whether this was written about Barb or not. Barbara died January 30th, 1993. The song was released in September of 1994. They recorded it in 1993, so they had almost 11 whole months to record it bef- after Barb died, so the timing could work. But if there's one thing we know about Ed Kowalczyk is that he's very full of himself. Mm. And Ed... Yeah, we know that about Ed. And Ed literally never mentions this in any of his interviews.
0: That he wrote it about Barb.
1: Correct. He says that he dedicated to dedicated it to her, but not that he wrote it about her. So I'm thinking so that strange. I know. I'm thinking that it's kind of wishful thinking on Corey's part, and he's like conflating the yeah the dedication with the the writing. But Ed has and whatever
0: helps him with his grief, you know. For
1: sure, I'm not saying like fuck you, Corey. This uh, <laughs> you this
0: said f- you were.
1: This fleeing armed robber thing is real, though. So the so the drunk driver had just robbed robbed he like was a also liquor store. Drunk. Yeah, he was drunk fleeing a, fleeing the scene of a crime and ran into Barbara. So it's like this like the freakest of freak accidents. But Ed has said, quote, I wrote lightning crashes on an acoustic guitar in my brother's bedroom shortly before I moved out of my parents' house and had gotten my first place of my own. So he definitely, like, makes it about himself and makes it about the life, his life cycle and shit like that. In 2004, in an interview included on the DVD, on, like, a Best of Live DVD, mm-hmm. um, he, he says, to this day, I have no idea where that song came from, and I love that.
0: Like the Muse kind of thing?
1: I guess, but like, if if it were even remotely about Barbara, you you think he'd mention it. Yeah. Live's drummer, Chad Gracie, said when Lightning Crashes was presented to record executives, the band was told that the song would become a single, quote, over their dead bodies.
0: That could be arranged.
1: (laughs) So it clocked in at about five and a half minutes, and the record label thought that the song was too long, which it is. And of course, it this is Ed Kowalczyk, of course it became the biggest hit from live, and so it was ironic that I was told that, but yet the people chose that to be the biggest song.
0: The people have spoken.
1: The people have spoken. Ed's a big man of the people sort of thing. (laughs) The Throwing Copper album was released in May of 94, and the first single was called Selling the Drama, and that peaked at number 43 on the Hot 100, which is nothing to sneeze at, but the band debuted Lightning Crashes at Woodstock 94. Remember Woodstock 94? Yeah. So they they played it for the first time at uh, Woodstock 94. They released the official single a month later on September 24th, 1994. And uh, the video played in constant rotation on MTV and was shot in an old mansion downtown in downtown L.A. I say downtown because I'm sitting in L.A. So this is where some more confusion about this song happens. Ed wanted it to be in a hosp, be shot in a hospital, but they couldn't get a hospital, so they had like this old mansion. Okay. And in the in the video, it clearly seems like a woman is dying in childbirth, I guess, or something.
0: She's just giving birth, and her yeah. placenta is like in a, in the in a, floor. But then there's a bowl.
1: I don't know, man. So this is, this is Ed's quote. I envisioned it taking place in a hospital where all these simultaneous deaths and births are going on. One family mourning the loss of a woman while a screaming baby emerges from a young mother in another room. Weird way to say that, my guy. No <laughs> one's dying in the act of childbirth, as some viewers think. What, you, what you're seeing is actually a happy ending based on the kind of transference of life.
0: Yeah, well, you had us worried there for a little while.
1: Yeah. Also, like this plus Tammy's
0: isn't... comment.
1: Tammy's, co- I didn't notice Tammy's. What was Tammy's comment?
0: That her baby died at two months old, and every time she hears this song, she feels it in every fiber of her bones. <sighs>
1: Jesus.
0: Yeah, I'm really sorry about your loss, Tammy.
1: Sorry, Tammy.
0: But but, but it's that weird. made me really scared about what was going to happen.
1: Well, because people misinterpret the song to be about, like, so many so many other fucking things. But it seems to be rather, like, life-affirming, right? Or at least that's the intention, right? It's like, ah, oh, life goes on, cycle of life. We have this new life that takes the place of the old life. The right?
0: confusion sets in again.
1: Confusion sets in again. Uh, rinse and repeat. But, like, the song is not, like, a happy-sounding song.
0: Mm, no.
1: So... Things get a little further complicated because on April 19th, 1995, sh- I shit you not, 168 people were killed in the Oklahoma City bombing.
0: I shit you not? Well, Have you this, heard of the Oklahoma City bombing?
1: This, this is the I shit you not. A remix of Live's single, Lightning Crashes, was created by an Oklahoma City DJ and it included sound bites from Bill Clinton and Tom Brokaw, as well as Fire Engine and Ambulance Sirens. No. And this became the soundtrack for tributes for the event. No. Chad Gracie says it sort of became the de facto song for the bombing.
0: What the fuck?
1: Quote, it was definitely very bittersweet and surreal and strange to see this impactful event in our country and then have a song we wrote be associated with it. Would you like to hear the Oklahoma City bombing remix of Lightning Crashes? Do
0: I have a choice? You do not.
1: (laughs) Don't worry, it's horrible. An explosion has rocked a federal no. office building in downtown Oklahoma City. The explosion the in Oklahoma's is... capital city came without warning around 9 central time. This the federal city. building in Oklahoma City. This is why we, we get caps copycats. A wide area with a ferocious blast that left a 20-foot crater. The chaos in downtown Oklahoma City did indeed resemble Beirut after what police believed to be Also, did it, it resemble Beirut? Fuck you, the dude. Sending an untold number to their it's, death. It's hard to it's, fathom that something like this what? could happen to us here in the heartland of, of America. So this was exactly... Included on a B sides and rarities collection released by Live.
0: Yeah, fuck that. This is total devastation. It's absolutely horrific up there. That is some real self important fucked up bullshit. Right now. It's devastating to everybody. Law enforcement, and everybody else would not understand. This is still going. Oh, it's the whole
1: song. Lucky for us. The the fucking song doesn't have that many lyrics And we can fill a lot of the empty space (laughs) With news reports of people dying
0: Holy fuck This is what I texted
1: you about last night (laughs) Where I was like, Jesus
0: Christ Babies are dead
1: Yeah, this is what the song's about Babies are dead It's not No, it's not, but it is (laughs) It is now Oh my god! So, like, I kind of want to listen to the rest of this, but I don't
0: actually. Did you ever finish? Oh.
1: So I, so I think we should finish. Just so, just so we, we know. know. It could have come caving in on me at any any point in time, but I never gave that one thought. Oh, this man, is like oh, deeply fucked like up. <laughs> the 41 children who had been enrolled in the daycare center some of them were burned beyond recognition S- no stop it no why is this on the radio <laughs> this is ratchet some of them were so upset they couldn't look down at the
0: children they were carrying this is like so it's, dead specific. babies porn like what are you yeah. talking about right why is this happening Imagine you're one of the parents, and they're just like people are just like drama porn coming back again. But
1: also, I'm not defending this in any stretch of the, in any sense of the word. But like, remember how rare shit like this was back then? Like, we didn't
0: mass murders.
1: We yeah, right. We didn't like mass murders, bombings, tragedies, like. 160 now when I say like oh oh only 168 people what died like how quaint. University
0: Hospital with emergency amputation kits, obviously. Emergency amputation kits. Two
1: hundred names and still growing. That's the most devastating thing that
0: obviously happened. Are they allowed to do this without lives buying? So the,
1: the so they got. I think eventually they, they got, got lives buying because live released okay, it on damn. the thing. America's going to have to brace. I'm assuming that, that. I think if this can happen in Oklahoma City, it can happen anywhere. This counted as part of their, like, radio sales, sales or whatever, right? The like, they got royalties from it. Because it's a remix, no so them. you have to copy... Like, there is a copyright issue.
0: Right, so they were, like, fully on board.
1: Oh, oh 100%. Because if there's one thing that Ed Kowalczyk loves, it's, like, being associated with, like, getting people through hard times.
0: I, I think this is actually driving people past their breaking points.
1: Yeah, I wonder, I wonder. Oh. <laughs> so, Throwing Copper ultimately sold more than 8 million copies. It became a mainstay of the post-grunge scene. So, this was referred to as like post-grunge or whatever. Lightning Crashes went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. The um, trauma
0: porn one? or
1: No, the regular one. But critics had little use for them. Critics did not get live. Okay. Quote Chad Gracie, we were never press darlings. We had small town, inexperienced management, and we were deferred to them. This is what Rolling Stone said about their sound. When it comes to 90s alt-rock band, live falls bet- somewhere between Matchbox 20 and Creed on the cool meter. Even no, at the cool. even at the peak of their popularity, when they were packing arenas, critics had virtually no use for them. Song, this is this is a concert review from May nineteen ninety the May nineteen ninety five issue of Rolling Stone. Quote: Song after song depended on the same groove, soft verse, loud chorus. But unlike, say, the Pixies' "Blair Lives," volume twiddling felt as predictable as a gag in a Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> You can tell that this is from nineteen ninety five because a gag in a Jim Carrey movie, the Claw. Oh, I just saw a thing on TikTok where Carrie Elway says that, like, literally every day someone comes up to him and gives him his version of the Claw. (laughs) You are scared of the Claw. (laughs) I am gonna get you. I did that to my dog. Um, But don't worry.
0: Don't worry because the I am always worried.
1: The clout chasing continued. At their concerts in the late 90s, live dedicated lightning crashes to the victims of the tragedy at Columbine High School. No. Yes? You want want to take a second? Good.
0: That's why you said we're going to touch on every American tragedy. Literally every American tragedy. They're just going to keep rolling it out.
1: You're not wrong. (laughs) <laughs> so when it came to crafting a follow-up, the band dumped producer Jerry Harrison and leaned further into Ed Kowalczyk's mysticism.
0: Mysticism. Jesus. Yeah, m-
1: Easter, yeah the, his like love of Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. The next album was called Secret Samadhi. Samadhi? Samadhi. They called their next album Secret Samadhi, which Lindsay means has it for me means enlightenment. And they released, quote, a turgid ballad called Lacini's Juice. Lachini's Juice as the leadoff single.
0: The juice is loose.
1: The juice is certainly loose. Uh, Both are references to philosophical concepts that were unfamiliar to many rock fans at the time. (laughs) So Chad Taylor says, all all these people were like, you can't call this song Lacini. You can't. Ma- it's name cultural the
0: appropriation. Too. Well,
1: that's—I don't think that that's the reason. No, <laughs> <laughs> these are four guys from York, Pennsylvania.
0: They're like you should have called it bikini.
1: Yeah, bikini, not lockini. Uh, so let's take a quick listen to Lockini's juice. Just right? fucking these fucking music videos, man.
0: Right. Like
1: the focus shifting.
0: Yeah. It was an evening I shared with the sun this is very matchbox 20.
1: so this this to me feels like incubus but like with like distortion the including the like culturally appropriate we the
0: it's
1: been a it's been a while since we've had a a, a song in a band that i've absolutely fucking hated
0: Lakini, as per yoga and tantra philosophies in Hinduism, there exist psychic chakras in human body. Lakini is the yogini, or Devi, so the, the god who presides over the Manapura chakra.
1: And her uh. juice is loose. <laughs> and so we're at like a fucking model audition ballet class, and then he's looking at pottery at a motel or something. And, the, and just, just, just pick, just pick a focus, man. Just like stay in focus for once. This fucking lens baby shit is killing me.
0: I know it's, it makes me dizzy. Um, the Manapura chakra is the solar plexus chakra, so that's like right around the navel area.
1: Sure. That's so this the is the god of the, juice, god
0: of the navel juice. God of the
1: navel juice. Why did you just call it God of the Navel Juice, Ed?
0: What is what is like, this?
1: Like porn auditions or something? Seriously, this is quoted. Then the worst thing that could possibly have happened to our egos happened. It came out and debuted at number one. <laughs> In my mind, as a pretty young guy, I was like, "Well, the world can just fuck off because you're all wrong."
0: Right? We're right. You're wrong.
1: Told him that yeah. And even though they didn't have the name recognition of a Nirvana or a Pearl Jam live were a major presence on mtv in the era between grunge and teen pop and most of the viewers couldn't even name any of the bandmates or even pronounce Kowalchik. they largely just knew the super intense bald guy who delivered yeah. lines like and to christ on a cross and to me a chair and her placenta falls to the floor without a hint of irony <laughs> So lack of name recognition didn't stop live from playing both Woodstock 94 and Woodstock 99.
0: But I feel like they did have name recognition.
1: They did, but not the same way as Nirvana or Pearl Jam. Sure. And they're contemporaries of Nirvana, and Nirvana, even before Kurt Cobain died, was like far bigger than they were.
0: Yes. I did ask you if they're a one-hit wonder.
1: You did, in fact. (laughs) It turns out, no. (laughs) Um, And they filmed an episode of MTV Unplugged. They appeared on the cover of Rolling Stone uh they had eight hit i'm sorry they had 17 hits on the billboard alternative airplay chart over a period of 12 years by the turn of the millennium everyone in the band was a millionaire several times over
0: so that's like we hear about bands like dixie chicks who Mm -hmm. are huge and they don't even have a million dollars so how did these guys get so rich
1: i I think they they had a better record deal they like owned their shit better than the chicks did on their first record deal uh there was they were less they were preyed upon less probably because they were men and kind of rock was a more rock was like a very established thing I don't know okay. I don't know honestly don't know. but but they they had worked it for twelve years right from nineteen eighty eight to like two two thousand so they they made they made themselves some money okay. This is uh, Chad Taylor's quote. Every friend and family member under the sun was suddenly starting a business or asking for a load. I've furnished several houses that weren't my own. I've bought several cars that weren't my own. Shit. But behind the scenes, the band was falling apart. Mm. Taylor said that Ed Kowalczyk insisted on taking the lion's share of the publishing money since he was writing most of the songs.
0: Did he now? Uh Uh-huh. This sounds a lot like Ed.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, Ed. And this caused tension between him and Taylor, who is a founder of the band, that never truly went away.
0: Ed's the guy that beat him up, right?
1: Ed is the guy that used to beat him up. Yes. Yeah. So, Live's next album was in 1999, and they had a big single from that called Dolphins Cry. And Taylor says that Ed went further. (laughs) The
0: dolphin opens her eyes! I mean, do
1: you know? That's... Spoilers. That's the song we're going out on this week.
0: The dolphin one.
1: Dolphins cry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is what it sounds like when dolphins cry. You're
1: like so close and you don't even know it. <laughs> on Live's next album in 1999, Chad Taylor said that Ed went further, telling the band that he would write the songs entirely by himself, and he used and he was going to use the other Chads and Patrick as like support musicians.
0: Wait, <laughs> you're my backup band now.
1: Literally, Ed Kowalczyk and live. <laughs> no, it rolls that's...
0: right off the tongue. Yeah. What's wrong with that?
1: Taylor says, I felt like a married couple where someone says, I'm no longer going to have sex with you, but we'll stay married. It was one of the saddest moments of my life. <laughs> so like Chad Taylor is has a way with language. He should be used to write these lyrics. <laughs> And Ed uh, Chad Gracie, the drummer, feels that Kowalczyk was right to demand soul credit. Mm. He says Ed has written every lyric and every melody for live ever, and Chad would try to take credit.
0: <laughs> all right. So whose side are we on?
1: I don't know. Need the stadium collapse.
0: Maybe we like needed some Chad energy and all of this Ed's...
1: Ed energy? Yeah. Ed's got big Chad energy. <laughs> yeah. But, so uh, Ed Gracie goes on to say, Chad Taylor might come up with a guitar idea that would be a, become a song, but he didn't write the songs.
0: It sounds like partial of writing to me.
1: Yeah, me too. But Gracie does agree that, the mo- that this move by Kowalczyk caused major waves in the band and said, Chad Taylor told me that he hung himself outside of a balcony and nearly jumped off while we were on tour in New Zealand. He was always, he's always been very dramatic about stuff, so I don't know if it ever happened.
0: Oh, my God. Jesus.
1: Chad Taylor, for his part, says that he had a serious drinking problem in the early 2000s and says he, quote, now has a healthier relationship with alcohol and a more stable outlook after undergoing treatment.
0: Okay. I'm glad he got the help he needed. Not everyone does and can. And have but healthier that.
1: relationship with alcohol sounds dangerous. But He still uh, drinks. Yeah. But he's adamant that his mental health challenges in that era were about more than songwriting disputes. So Gracie says that Taylor called him up and said, oh, Ed's stealing my music. I'm going to hang myself. And Taylor says, like, no, that's not true. I, I was having other issues.
0: It's never just about one thing.
1: Of course. And Taylor says, like many of my peers, I feared I would commit suicide if I didn't establish healthier practices for my life. To characterize these complex issues as related to songwriting, or even my relationship with Ed, tells you how little Chad Gracie understood about me and our creative process. So they're just sniping at each other.
0: I feel like he's being a little bit flippant about... Who? who? Which one? The one that's being very flippant about dying by suicide.
1: yeah 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 Gr- Gracie was Gracie is the one saying Chad's always so dramatic he told me that he was gonna try to commit suicide right so we're talking about Gracie being a little flippant
0: I feel like they both are because he didn't do it and he's like oh yeah I was gonna kill myself right
1: yeah they both they well okay let's let's see let's see which Chad we 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 side with eventually
0: I just want to be clear I take mental health very seriously yes and I don't think that Unless you're actually struggling, you should not be, like, using suicide as a threat or... As like, a, bar-
1: yeah, a bargaining chip in some process. Correct. I agree. I think that they're not super in touch with their feelings. Even Ed, who, like, f- sees himself as, like, a guru or whatever, is, like, weaponizing it for weird processes. And, like, these guys, like like... Suck. Like they They are all deeply suck.
0: They let their song become the poster (laughs) song for child murder.
1: Yeah. Well, they they do take a I think an anti child murder (laughs) tack. I don't think that's I don't think
0: (laughs) not if it sells records. (laughs) That's
1: true, that's true. Okay. So Taylor, Chad Taylor blames the band's decline on a number of issues. The rise of teeny pop, like Baxter Poison and Sink, the collapse of the record industry due to Napster, and MTV's decision to abandon virtually every 90s band once the ball dropped on the new millennium. On top of that, they had the miserable luck of scheduling their sixth record for release on September 18th,
0: 2001. Oh, so I feel like for them and the way things are going they would just jump on the opportunity uh-huh. and make it the poster song for nine eleven.
1: yeah i think i think you're right i think they
0: were like sweet jesus another tragedy we can hang our boots to
1: so so i i i can't say this for sure because i don't know but if i'm writing the biopic of live there's like a meeting on the afternoon of september 11th where they're talking about pushing the album release and Ed's like, no, people need us. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor says of this, what a horrible time period. What a
0: two. Yeah.
1: The group limped forward with new albums released in 2003 and 2006, but sales were bad. And Live was just about as unpopular in the age of Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco as they
0: were in in the days of
1: backstreet (laughs) boys and corn so they they called it quits in 2009 they broke up chad taylor says we broke up over email ed sound ed sent out a letter and was like i think we ought to put this band on hiatus and we all responded in about 30 seconds and went great idea there wasn't one of us that fought to keep the band together
0: they just like sent each other explosion gifts.
1: Yeah, this band is as as hot as the the World Trade Center. <laughs> oh my god! So after they split up, they are still trying to be in the entertainment industry. They still ha- so they're trying to like leverage their money into more money. So some of the former bandmates, basically everybody except Ed and Chad Taylor no they were trying to get into the the movie business no and their attorney introduced them to a dude named Bill Hines who was also looking to get into TV
0: who how who's Bill how does he want to get in
1: oh we're gonna talk a lot about Bill oh so they first met in 2010 and Chad Taylor saw Bill Hines as a potential savior because Hines Offered them a chance to generate money away from Live, and he was also willing to fund Chad Taylor's new band, which was called the Gracious Few. No, and they were an alt rock supergroup featuring Pat Dalheimer from Live and Chad Taylor from Live, the singer from Candlebox Kevin Martin, and the guitarist from Candlebox Sean Hennessy.
0: No. Hines
1: was a wealthy real estate investor and he promised to fund a recording session in Sausalito, California, and they were going to bring Jerry Harrison back, right? Jerry Harrison was the of guy talking from the Ta- Heads. of Talking Heads who produced their fir- first album, which was a massive hit. So they're like, okay, we're back to, back to square one. We're back to the basics, right?
0: Somebody called Jerry.
1: Somebody called Jerry. And they were even going to house the bandmates uh, and the families, and he was also going to fund a tour. This is what Bill Hines promised. Well, when they arrived in Sausalito, along with their gear, they learned that every check that Bill Hines wrote for the project bounced.
0: Oh, sweet.
1: He wasn't a a wealthy real estate investor. After all, he had, in fact, just filed for bankruptcy.
0: No, he was Donald Trump.
1: Kind of. Oh, oh, Lindsay. (laughs) It's like you read the article. So Chad Taylor, Chad Taylor says, we were stuck. Talk about making an awkward call to your wife. I had to say to her, I need $10,000 right now for you to pay for the studio deposit. Oh, and I need another $15,000 $15, for the housing. And she's like, you mean out of our personal checking?
0: Oh, and I'm not going to have sex with you anymore, but we're going to stay married.
1: Correct. No, that, that's what Ed told him. <laughs> if you can believe it, Bill Hines disputes nearly every aspect of this story. Of course. He says, no checks bounced. And they and that the band was responsible for paying all those people, and he said- they were terrific
0: he, checks. Okay, terrific,
1: the best checks. He said that he gave the band forty three thousand dollars, and the band paid him back. "Quote: I'm a real estate investor. I have such great credit that I could walk into a Mercedes right now, into a Mercedes right now, and walk out with a three hundred thousand dollar car if I wanted to. So you should be reading that in the Donald Trump voice in your head. Right." Some of Hines' claims are very difficult to square with the historical record. (laughs) Including his his assertion that he's only declared bankruptcy a single time. Public records show five bankruptcies for William Hines of Nazareth, Nazareth, Pennsylvania, between 2004 and 2012. And when confronted with this information, Hines says that he was the victim of multiple identity thefts. For the other bankruptcies in the system, quote... One of the people doing the identity thefts was another William T. Hines. Someone what? said it may or may not be a half brother, but I don't know if that's true or not because I didn't grow up with my father.
0: No. What?
1: <laughs> what's wrong? What's what? What's wrong?
0: It it wasn't me, see. <laughs> it
1: was it was my half brother, William my, T. Hines. Uh, my evil
0: twin. Let's see Tucker. <laughs>
1: Lindsay flucker <laughs> like
0: what? we just have the same name you see because we have i never knew my father
1: you see parents. <laughs> he also says bill also said that he never had a lien or a judgment or a collection upon him at any point in his life but public records show that 11 liens that added up to ninety-one thousand dollars for or more between 2002 and 2017
0: that's a lot of money bill
1: Quote, I don't have one lean on me whatsoever. I've never had a lean on me.
0: I got no leans on me.
1: (laughs) Okay, so soon, though, the band members had to figure out other ways to supplement their income because this fucking... This... Taylor... Chad Taylor's new band isn't going to fucking work out. And so... (laughs) What makes you
0: say that? so,
1: So... So... I, sh- I, My God, I don't know, man. <laughs> Chad Taylor tried producing movies, and in 2010, he produced an Ernest Borgnine Sybil Shepard movie called Another Harvest Moon.
0: I don't like the sounds of that.
1: Would you like to see the trailer for Another Harvest Moon?
0: Yep. Wait a minute. This is ridiculous. Wait a minute. I can walk. Around 10 o'clock every
1: morning, Frank is out of his life. He would blast.
0: Uh, Did you enjoy that,
1: Jude? And a place that'd still be as cold as a whore's heart.
0: The floor warmed up as a whore's heart?
1: Across, just like the hand of God after being cold for so long. <sighs> hey, look at this. Jude, is this yours? My grandfather, my father and myself were all in separate wars.
0: This is how I remember. My buddies.
1: Who gave Ernest Borgnine a gun? That's
0: what they used to do, all right? The hell with What the fuck is happening? Ah. What is happening? And you'd kill. You'd kill. What are you looking for? This is Warpist. <sighs> what is it doing here? What are you going to do with this, Dad? not the way to do it, if that's what you were thinking. It's too ugly for your grandkids. To <laughs> <laughs> my dad. Nuts. Why does he want to die? He didn't take a shot. Because he's old, I it's guess, spaghetti. and
1: he lost his wife and his sword. war pistol.
0: You talked about it with him? I'll do it for you, Grandpa. I you know you really want to do this, so I'll, I'll do it. Oh, no. No, my boy, no. No, no, no! Oh no!
1: Are you sure you want to do so, this? So, this
0: what? You silly old fool. Her,
1: Doris Roberts. Okay, so this didn't do well. <laughs> like a thirty years after the fact remake of On Golden Pond didn't didn't light anybody's fucking hearts a af- flare. Shocker. And then uh, later in 2011, he and the other members of Live, minus Ed Kowalczyk, sold their publishing stakes in the band's catalog for almost $2 million each. Quote, I could have gotten twice as much in the market today. This is Chad Taylor. But I went to the boys and I said, we're all going to go broke. We aren't making enough money to live.
0: I thought they had millions of dollars.
1: Well, they were all going broke. I don't fucking know. Because they bought a bunch of houses and cars for people. So after the incident with call the
0: recording.
1: <laughs> Take the cars back. <laughs> after the incident with the recording studio and the new band Gracious Few, Chad Taylor said that he never he pledged never to speak with Heinz again. But a year or so later he got a call from Chad Gracie. With Hines on the line, begging for forgiveness, citing the stress of a recent divorce, and offering to make it right with the band. Quote Chad Taylor. He was pretty compelling. So That was it?
0: That was the whole quote?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> soon, Chad Taylor agreed to do, quote, a few projects with Bill Hines.
0: Okay. We're back to Bill.
1: Yeah. So Hines is back with a new set of schemes. Taylor now says, I think right around the time... The two Chads and Patrick sold their publishing stakes. Hines was back because he he wanted a shot at the fucking money. Quote, he wanted a shot at this fucking money. One of the more outrageous ideas that Hines talked the band members into was investing $1 million with him to build a outlet mall in Redding, Pennsylvania. So they bought the shell of an old mall no. that they wanted to renovate and turn into shops and apartments and stuff, and it was called the Reading Outlet Center in Reading PA, which is the self proclaimed outlet mall capital of the world.
0: I was gonna say, I feel like I've been to Reading to the Outlets.
1: I'm sure you I'm sure you have. <laughs> this is all like very close to where I grew up. <laughs> well, in twenty eighteen, the Reading Outlet Center collapsed.
0: How? Quote, well,
1: Chad, the building just fucking imploded and fell down. It was just unsafe. Like, like there were people inside and everything. No one got hurt. He he, he talks a lot about, like, uh, we were lucky that no one was driving by or inside.
0: It literally just crumbled. And it crumbled. Like...
1: A, a portion of it crumbled, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, they are lucky no one was inside.
1: Correct. So, undeterred from this disaster, they took some of the remaining money that they had, plus a ton of money from outside investors and they formed a company called United Fiber and Data. The idea came from Bill Hines, of course, and it was like a fiber optic company. So Taylor says, quote, at first I was like fiber optics. We barely know anything about real estate, let alone fiber optics. But Bill Hines had the idea, I'm sorry, Bill Hines had the idea to lay down a fiber optic cable that, ran directly from New York to Ashburn, Virginia, bypassing the big cities on the I-95 corridor where Verizon and the other companies ran their cables. I don't know why Ashburn, Virginia. There's literally no There's no reason. Reason.
0: Just get all the spots along the way. I That's fucking, as far as it would go.
1: I fucking guess so, man. But why Ashburn? Why not D.C.? Why not Miami? I
0: don't know.
1: So this is Chad Taylor's quote. I know this sounds weird, but I was like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Somebody said we went from throwing copper to laying cable. Oh God. So Bill Hines was the CEO of this company. The two Chads and Patrick all took positions at the company as well, but they all admit that they did not understand what was going on. (laughs) And they also admitted that, Taylor admitted that they didn't know how much capital they'd have to raise to get this operation off the ground. This isn't like a $2 million job. Right. Especially considering laying down fiber optic lines or hanging them from poles requires government approval and whatever jurisdiction they're going through.
0: I'm just trying to get one water line hooked up right now, and it's taken over a month. Right. And basically $100,000.
1: So Chad Taylor (sighs) says, I think there were 192 meetings in the state of New Jersey alone
0: oh my god
1: weirdly united fiber and data wasn't didn't get off the ground super well and related but not totally related heinz had to step down as ceo of united fiber and data in 2019 after he was charged with a litany of crimes related to his ex-girlfriend
0: oh good
1: so she was an employee at United Fiber and Data, and the Rolling Stone article goes into great detail of what he is accused of, and it's fucking bleak. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read any of those. You're
0: not even gonna read them.
1: I can if you. They're I mean, that I, bad. I read, I, read, I well, listen. Last last time I did an episode, you were like, "Please stop reading about these people's traumas. They're okay. pretty bad."
0: Just give me the highlights. He like
1: choked a girl out. Choked this girl out in an elevator and told her that she was going to fucking die. There's, like, graphic accounts of him raping her. Really, really, really bad stuff. Okay. okay, But bad.
0: Violent abuse.
1: Violent sexual abuse. Um, Got it. Verbal and, and physical and sexual. Verbal, physical, sexual. It's fu- it seems to have lasted around five years with this with this person. She started working at UFD in 2014, and she sued him in 2019. So...
0: Did he have pale blue irises?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. There's a mugshot of him in the article. I think he has brown eyes. So he had to step down as CEO. And the next year, in 2020, Heinz was sued by UFD's new CEO, new heads of the company, and accused of, quote, a pattern of unlawful conduct that included stealing millions from the company to fund a lifestyle that he otherwise could not afford. Okay. But the other members of UFD, the other members of Live, were also named in this suit mm. and accused of breaching their fiduciary duties and self-dealing. So they were all paying themselves through this company's slush fund.
0: Fiduciary.
1: Fiduciary. And it seems like, so Chad Taylor like claims that he just kind of didn't know and like did, didn't do anything illegal and also didn't know what would have been illegal and what wouldn't have been illegal. <laughs> Um, And in 2021, the Pennsylvania State Police announced that they were investigating a reported theft of almost $4 million from United Fiber and Data.
0: A reported theft from, Uh, like, someone robbed them? Someone
1: robbed them of uh, almost $4 million. Who was it? Well, they're thinking that it was Bill. Bill. Yeah.
0: But they don't know for
1: sure. But they don't know for sure. But they do. Okay. And there is a, there's like wink, wink. The FBI may or may not be involved in this investigation as well. The FBI oh. refused to comment.
0: If they refuse to comment, then mm-hmm. no comment.
1: No comment. And the lawsuit against Hines and Chad Taylor for self dealing was settled out of court just last year in 2022. And the investigation from the state police is still pending. <laughs> Since cutting the deal with the prosecutors in 2022 with the self-dealing and the whatnot. So Bill Hines pledged to no contest in the felony criminal trespass, felony theft by deception, two counts of felony forgery, misdemeanor stalking, and misdemeanor simple assault. And he's been under house arrest. at House Li- arrest?
0: That's what you get for that?
1: Since 2022, he's been under house arrest at Live's former corporate headquarters.
0: Wait, why did they have a for- a former corporate headquarters?
1: I have no fucking idea. Why is he there?
0: They're harboring they, him?
1: They must have a corporate headquarters because they are, they're like a business, right? The band is a business, and the business, the corporate headquarters of the business might be just someone's house. But why is Bill there? Bill had nothing to do with the band. They, they basically broke up before they met Bill. Right. So that's fucking weird.
0: And Bill stole from them, lied to them.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Taylor, Chad Taylor, back to the music. We'll, we're done with Bill for a minute. Taylor Chad Taylor reformed live in 2012 with Chad Gracie, Pat Delheimer, and this dude, Chris Shin. Chris Shin is the new singer, and he's the son of the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, George Shin. So he's like a billionaire heir.
0: Okay.
1: And... Doing the band without Ed Kowalczyk was a difficult sell for fans because he's the face of the band. And they quickly found themselves on the 90s nostalgia circuit with B list acts like Filter and Everclear.
0: I like Everclear.
1: I like Everclear too. I think that's <laughs> like an unfair shot toward Everclear. <laughs> and Ed Kowalczyk is suing them in court for the use of the band's name.
0: As he would.
1: Of course. So Chris Shin, the new singer, says when we started this, when we started, the original concept was let's take the bones of this band that has a built-in audience and slowly merge it into something unique. But I came to find out it was all about making money for them. (laughs) (laughs) Chad Taylor begs to differ. That's so disingenuous. Respectfully, a guy that has a trust fund and has never worked a job in his life can understand that we make our living as musicians and we have to tour. The live with Chris Shin was not long for this world either. Because they hate each other. They, those guys They hate hated him more than Ed. Right. <laughs> so the, so in 2016, the original lineup of live reformed. It got back on the road with Kowalczyk. And they did a bunch of like...
0: So Ed's like, I'm, I'm the, dropping the lawsuit. I'm flying mm-hmm. in from Fresno. Yeah. Let's do it.
1: Yes. And the band... <laughs> The band used to split the tour revenue. The band used to split the tour revenue four ways evenly. But the way that they got Ed to come back was by offering to up his share to 40%.
0: Damn, Ed.
1: But not to be outdone, Chad Taylor was like, well, I have to get 30%. So,
0: Greasley, Greasy, Graysley,
1: Gracie, and Dahlheimer. (laughs) Both get 15% each now.
0: Oh, my God. Those poor guys.
1: And so Rolling Stone asked Chad Taylor about this, and he's like, I don't really know how to answer this.
0: I'm just a dick.
1: Yeah, I just think it reflects the historical truth of the band.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So that's not how Chad Gracie sees it.
0: He's just one of the out-of-focus guys?
1: He's just one of the out-of-focus guys, but he says, without Pat and I knowing, Chad Taylor unilaterally negotiated with Ed Kowalczyk. And cut the other two out. That it wasn't an agreement. It was just, this is what happened. This is what's going to happen.
0: And they were like, cool, 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 cool,
1: cool. He says, it pissed pissed me off from day one. It soiled the reunion.
0: Don't say soiled.
1: Soiled. Well, that's that's (laughs) the quote. This is just one of the sometimes outlandish accusations that Gracie makes against his former best friend. Quote. There was an uh, inappropriate relationship with my now ex-wife and Chad Taylor.
0: Well, he are not. <laughs> right, Of course your wives are going to fuck.
1: He denies it, but I've confirmed it a few different ways.
0: <laughs> a few different ways. First, yes. my nanny cam.
1: <laughs> no, one of the ways is Bill Hines. Bill <laughs> no. Hines claims that Chad Gracie's ex-wife told Bill about the affair.
0: While he was under house arrest and had nothing to do but listen to her. Quote,
1: that's just despicable. That's the bro code.
0: You don't break the bro code, man. The bro code? (laughs) He invoked the bro code.
1: Uh, (laughs) Laws,
0: not so much. Bro code, though.
1: Taylor claims that this is categorically false. (laughs) And Gracie's ex-wife wrote, Rolling Stone an email saying I did not sleep with Chad Taylor and I never and I've never spoken to Bill Hines about any of this.
0: I did not sleep with that man Chad Taylor. Chad
1: Taylor. <laughs> I I got drunk, I forgot which Chad was which.
0: <laughs> All
1: right. Uh Gracie also claims that there was an incident in 2013 at the Baltimore Grand Prix where Chad Taylor punched Pat Dalheimer's wife Jacqueline in the face. Quote, he just laid her out.
0: What? No charges were pressed?
1: Taylor says this is absolutely categorically untrue. It's just nonsense. And Jacqueline Dalheimer backs him up. Says... Bill Hines and Chad Gracie are flat out lying. That man is a predator and a master manipulator. I was never knocked out by anyone at a bar. I was jabbed in the arm almost 10 years ago during an argument with Chad Taylor. None of the people commenting were present. My husband and I took this incident seriously and held Chad accountable. This private conflict, which has since been resolved, is being sensationalized to manipulate. So it sounds like he just like kind of poked her in the arm. Which isn't good, but... It's not like throwing a haymaker.
0: It's assault, brother.
1: But despite all of this, live stayed together. What the? As a part of this profile, Rolling Stone caught up with them at a Hard Rock Hotel in the Dominican Republic.
0: I was there. I was at the Hard Rock in DR. <laughs> it was. You saw no. live. It's not a place I would recommend going. No.
1: <laughs> so this is this is the this is the quote. Chad St- Chad Taylor stood on the beach smoking a Cuban cigar and stared out at the vast ocean. Quote, life really doesn't get any better than this, he recalls, thinking to himself. I worked so hard to get this. Let's enjoy this. Tonight, we're going to jump on stage, play for about 15 minutes, and we're going to get paid an obscene amount of money. This is perfect.
0: Oh, obscene.
1: Yeah. Also, like. I understand that you have to make a living while touring and Chris Shin probably like doesn't understand that you're a working musician that needs to get paid or whatnot. But like showing off that you're going to get paid an exorbitant amount of money for playing for 15 minutes for people that love you and love your music is like not a good look. No. When he looks back on it now, that moment on the beach was the last time he was truly happy because that was March 4th, 2020.
0: Oh. So pandemic
1: yes in the month in the months that followed nearly every single aspect of his life fell hopelessly apart first the pandemic shut down the global concert industry and then a series of interpersonal calamities and alleged betrayals led to the breakdown of live for a third time
0: oh god what now
1: so the details change depending on who you talk to but when live music came back, when live music came back, when concerts came back in late 2021, Ed Kowalczyk disengaged himself from the other three, and he started posting cryptic comments to fans online, suggesting "Live were only a band in name only," and adding, "Interpret the reunion however you'd like, but I'm not in anyone's band."
0: these tricks don't even know the name of my band <laughs> correct
1: <laughs> my name's ed Kowalczyk, and chad taylor says i hate social media but patrick texted me ed's saying some weird stuff online and then in june 2022 in response to a fan question on instagram ed Kowalczyk took us took it a step further saying quote the three original members are not speaking to each other and i am stuck in the middle and if I try to go solo, there is a good chance that they will sue me again, so I have to do what's best for me and my family and try to stay out of litigation by not performing in public at all.
0: Didn't he sue them?
1: He did. I'm pretty
0: sure that's what you told me.
1: I don't fucking know. They're all fucking <laughs> constantly suing each other. The parties are advised to chill.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: And then on June 21st, 2022, Ed Kowalczyk announced that Chad Taylor has been fired from the band the day before and... A- a- Chad Gracie tweeted, For anyone interested, Ed Kowalczyk is not the problem in this band, and it's not this Chad, and he doesn't play the bass. We have a person among us that stirs and then, no pun intended, sells drama. What is the pun,
0: Gracie? Sells drama. Like, he like literally sold a story to a tabloid or something. I
1: guess? But like I couldn't... That wasn't part of... I couldn't find... Well, whatever. So... Chad Taylor has no idea what, says he has no idea what prompted Ed Kowalczyk's sudden change in attitude, but the more he thinks about it, he says he has a suspicion. My theory is that Chad Gracie and Bill Hines influenced him. I think they picked the scabs off old wounds, specifically the lawsuit over the band's name. That's right. Chad Gracie is still hanging out with Bill Hines.
0: Hanging Chad.
1: Hanging Chad. And Gracie, yet again, has his own take. He says, I talked to Ed, and he said, if you guys are going to be adversarial, I don't want you on stage, and I just don't want to deal with the drama. And Ed, to his credit, doesn't have anything to do with this. He just wants to play with live, which he should be able to do. Reasonable? Yeah, yeah, everything seems reasonable, and nothing seems reasonable. (laughs) So, even though Kowalczyk says that Chad Taylor has been fired from live. He doesn't really have any legal means to fire him from live, but he also can't force Ed Kowalczyk to play shows with him. So they worked out the legal arrangement that put live back on the road with replacement musicians. So this is what's happening. Ed Kowalczyk is now the only original member of live still touring, but he's touring with backup musicians and a portion of the proceeds from those tours are going to the three original, the remaining re- original remember, members of Live for staying home.
0: <laughs> I'll pay you if you just don't, just don't fucking, fucking get me, off your couch. leave me alone. <laughs> okay.
1: Taylor says, by this point, I just figured, well, clearly at least this, at this moment, these are not my people. So we figured out a way to make it work. We worked out a deal. But Ed thought that Chad was going to sue him again or sue him or sue him this first. I don't fucking know. Which led to the last email that Chad Taylor would ever send to Ed Kowalczyk. Quote, I want to be brutally clear because I do believe something is being manipulated or misinterpreted. Neither Patrick or I have ever threatened a lawsuit against you, Ed. Hand to God. Strike me dead. Who's saying this and why? Who would benefit if live breaks apart? I want nothing more than to get on stage with our band, period. And he went on to tell Ed about his concerns regarding United Fiber Division, whatever the fucking company that they had, UFD's finances. Quote, Chad Gracie appears to continue to work with Bill Hines despite being warned that he could be placing himself in criminal jeopardy. Ed, more importantly, someone is playing heavily with your past emotions. That is not me, and it's not Patrick. But Ed Kowalczyk wrote back and said this. Bill Hines is innocent until proven guilty. Direct any communications for me to my lawyer from this point forward.
0: Did Hanging Chad write that?
1: No, apparently Ed Kowalczyk wrote it.
0: Hanging Chad intercepted the letter.
1: I don't know, but it seems (laughs) like...
0: Some of them really are on... Heinz's side
1: some of them are really on Heinz's side Gracie is planning to start a new business venture with Heinz and he won't reveal the details currently but Ch- Taylor says that Gracie has fallen down a rabbit hole of far-right politics and conspiracy theories including QAnon oh god Gracie does not deny this he says quote I voted for Donald Trump in 2020 and I had my conspiracy theories about COVID and vaccines and stuff like that, sure. I would look at the Q stuff, and I never took it seriously, but I look at all kinds of stuff. It's kind of funny that Taylor would bring this shit up.
0: Spoken like a real Q in honor.
1: Right? <laughs> Everything that's happened is because of Chad Taylor, Gracie says. By the way, he says this from Las Vegas, where he's in town to attend the Adult Video Entertainment, Adult Entertainment Awards. He's at the AVN Awards when he's doing this interview. (laughs) He's a raving pathological narcissist that's made Bill the boogeyman for everything that's happened in his life. I don't want to deal with him anymore at any level.
0: I just don't want to hear from these whiners anymore.
1: I agree, but it's sad that these these are the best friends that are like snuggling on a trundle bed, and now they're (laughs) like, fuck you. I believe in (laughs) QAnon.
0: Yeah. And Bill Hines. Then you die. Right. The angel opens your eyes. The
1: angel opens her (laughs) eyes. And Bill Hines agrees with Chad Gracie, of course. He says, Taylor is a crazy drunk. I regret ever meeting him. He only looks out for Chad Taylor. And I'm probably one of the nicest, kindest people you'll ever meet. (laughs) At the moment, Bill Hines is suing Chad Taylor for nearly $500,000.
0: Oh, good. Good, good.
1: So the newest iteration of the band live hit the road in October, 2022 and their gigs have largely been limited to casinos and tertiary markets like Mount Pleasant, Michigan and Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, which is where I grew up. Chad Taylor owns a guitar shop called tone tailors in Littitz, Pennsylvania. There's like road cases with live stickers in the corner and, a sign on the wall that says no stairway to heaven, which is a Wayne's World reference.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He said, I, Taylor says, I was a sucker. I have people that depend on me and I trusted a person that hurt us. I failed as a husband. I failed as a father. I have yet to forgive myself.
0: Well, self-forgiveness is the first step in healing.
1: I guess. As for <laughs> Bill Hines' victim, who is anonymous in the in the the, um, Rolling Stone article, she says she wants to put this ugly chapter of her life behind her forever, and she hopes that other women going through similar experiences can learn from her story. Quote, My hope is that anyone in the same position that reads this remembers one thing. There's still hope. Don't give up. There is light and freedom and happiness at the end of this dark, terrifying tunnel. There are so many women who don't survive, and you only hear their story after it's too late. I know I'm very lucky to be alive, but I should have... but I should have spoken out and involved law enforcement sooner. I feared the retaliation that would come from telling the truth. Deciding to leave will always be an extremely difficult path to take. And it's unimaginably scary to think about standing up to your abuser. But that decision is the single most important decision that you will ever make in your life.
0: She's suffered abuse. So Uh she, her opinion is valid.
1: Correct the the th- The thing about like I should have called somebody sooner, I don't know if that's like a prescriptive thing as much as like she's like kicking herself or something, you know, which she shouldn't do,
0: yeah, I just maybe when I just hear these statements, I just feel like they're they're just I'm misreading them, but she's like, yeah, just leave, it's easy, if yeah, you will do she, it.
1: She doesn't say it's easy, but she says it's like necessary, I don't know, man, yeah i I agree, it feels a little weird, but. Who am I to judge?
0: Yeah, same. Anyway, Um,
1: Taylor, Chad Taylor hopes to return to professional music soon. He's beginning to imagine a solo album and tour, possibly with Pat Delheimer, where he can play old and new songs and tell some stories he's built up over a life in rock and roll. He hasn't played a single concert since that gig in the Dominican Republic. Chad Gracie holds out hope that Ed Kowalczyk will invite him back into live sometime later this year. In his mind, a reunion of the four original members is impossible because he never wants to play with Chad Taylor again. Quote, the best way to deal with a narcissist is to not deal with him, so I don't want to. Every time he opens his mouth, he's either manipulating you, trying to control you, or bully you. But Taylor does have hope that the band will find its way back together quote my family will kill me for saying this but i'd do a show with all the boys tomorrow i love them even gracie and all his screwed up shit i love them and i love the music that we made it's been very weird to see ed go out and play shows with the new guys in the band i had a panic attack recently am i late am i supposed to be in buffalo or wherever did i screw up Patrick and I joked that we were going to show up to the first live show and stand outside with signs that said, looking for work.
0: Oh, they should have. That would have been a news story.
1: So what are we going out on this week, Lindsay?
0: This week, we're going out on the Dolphin Cries.
1: What Dolphins cry. So, <laughs> as Lindsay mentioned, and uh, as I mentioned in my pr- in our uh, Hotel California episode, there was like a cool rock and roll dude um, at my junior high named Mr. Behe, and he sang at the talent show. And not one cool Beehe B E H E. You're like um,
0: he was this cool dude. Like he's no, a cool he dude. sung. He sung in a kids talent show. That's not cool.
1: Well, we all thought he was cool. He was Let like an the actor. kids
0: Have their moment. Okay. Well,
1: <laughs> uh, but we, but everyone wanted to be in the band that sang with Mr. Behe. And in ninth grade, I tried to grassroots organize a, a performance of Hotel California, which didn't work well. In eighth grade, I tried to I tried to make this one happen, which was a performance of Live's Dolphins Cry. No, didn't didn't work out for for any of us. Where can people find us on the internet, Lindsay?
0: Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter. And for longer and weirder stuff, send us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com.
1: If you have uh, suggestions for songs, you can hit us up at either of those places. Thanks again to Skye Mazeroski for forwarding this article to me and making this episode possible. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we're, uh, or if you're listening to us on your podcast apps, we're on YouTube at Podcasts on Vivo. And if you're watching us on Podcasts on Vivo, subscribe to our RSS podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts
0: give us a rate and review and a thumbs up wherever you get your podcasts
1: hell yeah and tune in next week when we do this all over again with a brand new song that will somehow involve the Oklahoma City bombing Columbine 9-11 Donald Trump COVID QAnon and placentas falling to the floor
0: <laughs> so
1: till next time
0: I'm Lindsay Tucker.
1: I'm Aviva Rubenstein saying, what's up, Mr. Behe? Where are you?